ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. What up, H-Town? Hey, how you doing? He's Joe George. I'm Jeremy Branham. That was Josh Beard. He's working overtime. He's going to bill you for that, Joe George. Uh, Josh He's going to get nothing. <laughs> it wasn't bad. For part-timers, it was pretty good. 713-780-3776. <laughs> How good was Josh Beard's... Uh, <laughs> I call him a part-timer. <laughs> He's only been here six days. Yeah, this is a sixth day. And you even have a co-host. You have a who. Like, can you really be a full-timer if you have a, a stable of co-hosts? Right? You can't be a full timer if you have a a stable of co hosts. That microphone's in a weird spot. I'm, mine's mine's. I'm holding it on the desk. Yeah, it's a. It won't it won't stay up, so it's just gonna sit on the desk like this. You're laboring, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna look fat the whole show on Twitch. You're gonna see my my chin rolls the, the whole show. The microphone's what's doing that. Well, it's just not helping do it. It's like it's just it's adding to the effect. Of the issues. No Joel Blank, as you can tell. 713-780-3776. Why, why is Joel Blank not at work today? Wrong answers only. 713-780-3776. Normally, we start off this show with good, bad, and ugly of Houston Astro baseball over the weekend. And look, we're not living under a rock. We know that the Astros are playing baseball here in the next few minutes. And since it's a holiday show, and we don't really care all that much, and we're working on a holiday, kind of. Um... We're probably going to talk about this game as it goes on. I hope that's okay, boss. I hope that's all right. It's fine with me. But um, Astros get swept by the Yankees over the weekend. In an embarrassing effort by the Houston Astros at home. And normally we go good, bad, ugly, but because you bring out the worst in me, Joe George, mm. we're going to flip it. We're going to flip it. And it's actually the Astros that brought out the worst of it. When the Astros get swept over the weekend, we don't talk about the good at the beginning. We're very positive on this show. We're, we're probably the most positive people in all of Houston. People always tell us that. The 5%ers always tell us that. But when the Astros get swept, we have to start off with the ugly. And where do you want to start here, Joe George, with the ugly that was the Astros getting swept by the worst Yankees team this millennium? I mean, I, I think the place to start is... Astros Twitter, they're having a mental breakdown. Like, these guys and girls are, like, I know things are bad right now. I know that if you had a good weekend, you could be in first place. And the Astros weekend has just been absolutely, it was awful. But Astros Twitter is down bad. Like, they are down very bad. Uh, the Astros Twitter is always kind of a very interesting circle. Can you blame them, though? Can you blame Astros Twitter for that? Like, you you have a three-game series against the worst Yankees team this millennium. They've been very, very bad. They're, they're starting they, – they didn't even start Garrett Cole in this series. I mean, Aaron Judge kind of did a number on you. That, that stinks. And these young players look pretty good. But you lose three in a row at home to the last-place team in the AL East. I don't know if I blame Astros Twitter for this. Sometimes it's toxic. Sometimes it's a very dangerous place to be. I don't think that it's unwarranted this no. time, though. No, it's not, because everything... Like We started Friday's show with, do you believe the Astros' offense can carry this team to a World Series? Well, now my answer is no. But it felt like on Friday... My answer was yes. Yeah, I don't know if I can give you that. Like this, it's still an offense that's dangerous. It's still an offense that's threatening. Now, I, I went and pulled some numbers today because that's what I do on a Monday. 
I looked at the top five OPS Astros. Only one of them has more than 400 plate appearances, Joe. And that would be, of course, Kyle Tucker. Jordan doesn't because of injury. Altuve doesn't because of injury. Tucker does. And then, you know, four and five is actually Chaz McCormick and Yiner Diaz. And we they know the play. reason that I mean, Chaz had the injury early that cost him, you know, some plate appearances. But we know the reason that Chaz and Yiner aren't at 400 plate appearances or more. Because of Dusty? Yeah, they're usually not in the lineup. Because Dusty doesn't play him. And Dusty takes him out in critical situations. And and that's the other one. Taking Chaz McCormick out for John Singleton. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't understand. And, and, and the logic after the game, it makes absolutely no sense of, like, that their analytics or their numbers guys thought that Chaz had a better shot at it. John Singleton has been objectively terrible since he joined Major League Baseball. Like, there has been nothing besides the two-home run game, which was awesome. The bat flips, incredible. But since then, John Singleton has not been an average baseball player. He's been below average constantly. Chaz McCormick has proven time and time again that he should be in this lineup six, five out of six games a week. I don't know why Dusty hates him. Yeah, I don't know why Dusty hates him either. I, I hated the explanation there, too. Like, what were the exact quotes here? Let's see. Uh, John Singleton was projected to hit 275 off Clay Holmes. Chaz McCormick was projected to hit 220. In what, what universe is John Singleton, who hit 289 in the minor leagues this year, in what universe is John Singleton projected to hit 275 against a really good bullpen arm? Like, if Chaz McCormick is protect, projected to hit 220, how is Singleton projected to hit 275? It is ridiculous. And, and quite honestly, I, I made note of this on Friday. It never came to fruition. Because Michael Brantley pinch hit for, I think it was Myers on Friday in the eighth spot. So you mean, it mean you had Martin Maldonado on deck hitting ninth. So there was somebody on deck to bat in case Michael Brantley reached in Friday's game. And it was John Singleton. And Chas McCormick didn't play that game. And that was not against Holmes. That was against Loisega. So you had on two different occasions this week where Dusty Baker chose John Singleton over Chas McCormick. Friday was glossed over because Singleton never got to the plate. Singleton never came up. I guess, honestly, I didn't even realize that. I, I, well, I tweeted it because I wanted, to, yeah. I wanted to store it in my mind. And I wanted to make public record that Dusty Baker right now on a Friday against Loisega is choosing John Singleton over Chaz McCormick. So he made that decision twice. We only saw it play out once because the ninth spot never came up in the ninth inning on Friday. So it wasn't just against Holmes. It wasn't just on Saturday. This was a decision that he also made on Friday. Now, it wasn't John Singleton pinch hitting for Chaz McCormick. It was choosing which of two guys off the bench, John Singleton or Chaz McCormick, was going to hit against Loisega. And he went with John Singleton. So you look at Friday... He chose Singleton over Chaz McCormick. You look at Saturday where he pinch hit for Chaz McCormick with John Singleton, and then yesterday he's not in the lineup. So it is, uh, it's very interesting the way that Dusty Baker uses Chaz McCormick. He definitely doesn't like him. That is definitely an ugly, and it's definitely something we'll get into in greater detail a little bit later because it's staggering. It's staggering the way that Dusty Baker chooses to use Chaz. Now, he is in the lineup today against the lefty Heaney. City would probably riot it if he, if he didn't. Here's one of my uh, uglies, Joe George. Can the Astros stop playing at Minute Maid Park? Can, can they, like, like it's football, can they win the coin toss and defer their option? Because for some reason, and I can't, I can't make rhyme or reason out of this. I can't put my finger on this. I have no idea why it's happening, and it absolutely should not be happening. But it is. The Astros are very average at home. The Astros away from Minute Maid Park are really good. They're 15 games above 500 away from Minute Maid Park. They're 42 and 27 when they're outside of Houston. That is a really good record. 
At home, they're barely a 500 team. They're 35 and 34 at home. The offensive numbers are staggeringly bad at Minute Maid Park. It makes absolutely no sense. I've seen enough of it in 2023, though, where I do not feel confident that the Houston Astros are going to be a good team at home. At this point, the best chance for the Astros to go to the World Series is to be the third wildcard team. Might be. Because they're going to start a three-game series in the wildcard round in Minnesota. I don't want them playing here. How, they're one game above 500 at home this year. Like how? Like it, it makes absolutely. We've seen more Yankees. It feels like in a three game stretch, hit the ball on the train tracks, and it feels like the Astros have all season. I know that's not really the case, mm-hmm. but sure as hell feels like it. Playing the Twins in the first round of the playoffs in a three game series on the road, and then going to Seattle after that sounds great to me right now. Yeah, I like, still want the division just because I, I, I hate three-game series. I, I hate five-game series. Three-game and five-game series scare the, the heck out of me. I, I want to avoid, especially, the, you can't avoid the five-game series, but I want to avoid the three-game series at, at all costs. So that's, like, I hear you. I hear you. It sounds good. Starting on the road, you feel confident that you can beat a Minnesota Twins team even on the road, and then you're on the road in a DS, and it means you're on the road if you make it to the ALCS, too. Minnesota's got a pretty good pitching staff, though. Like, they do. Sonny Gray leads the the American League in ERA, which is weird. Joe Ryan's been really good. Pablo Lopez, who they got in the Arise trade, has been really, really good. Uh, they don't have much of an offense, but that pitching staff is is pretty good. Like that, that's that's a team that can win a three game series. They can win a five game series. Um, I, I I can't give you that. Like I, I don't want to play at home, but I can't so settle for being either. I, just, I hate three game series. I know they're all they're all so bad. Like, winning the division would obviously be the best thing humanly possible because you avoid that three game series. It's just this team, it's it's infuriating to like watch what they did against Boston, who I think is considerably better than the New York Yankees. Like they're I know the records aren't that much different, but the fact that you sweep the Red Sox and then you get swept by the Yankees, it's just it's so frustrating. The last two weekends, you've had prime opportunity to overtake this division and and really like show that you're the team to beat, and they've just failed to do so. Like they they just they don't have that like that clutch moment. It kind of feels like we're doing this weird song and dance where it's like they play all these games during the week, Monday through Friday, they get it back or Monday through Thursday, they get it back down to where like, hey, if they have a good weekend, they're gonna be in front of the in first place in the division. Yeah, and you think and it's then, gonna happen. And then the weekend gets here and they're a disaster. It's maybe they're just taking the weekend off. Maybe they're taking the weekend off. It's, it sure feels like it because they're not like like scoring seven runs this weekend, it's not good enough. No, the, the offense was was bad. You have another ugly. I mean, here's the, mine. The Jordan Alvarez play yesterday. <laughs> that, that's that was mine. It's maybe one of the most like frightening things in a moment I've ever seen on a baseball field. When you want a team to win a World Series, on a couple fronts. First of all, the way his knee just like slid like that, not great. And then the fact that Dusty Baker kept him in the game is astonishing to me because it did two things wrong. Christian Javier was awesome. Yeah. And it completely derailed his start. And then just like the fact that it took Jordan Alvarez that long to be able to walk it off and feel confident staying in the game at some point, like you just got to yank him out for a guy that misses so much time for these little nagging injuries. And you see his knee stay put as his leg slides across the dirt, which also side note, don't really understand how that happens, but the play was scary. I just can't believe they left him in. It just yeah, I don't. It, was, it wasn't worth it. I, I disagree with you here. Um, 
Now, I, I get mocked and ridiculed every single time that I say that Jordan Alvarez should be a DH only because I, I firmly believe he should only be a designated hitter. He's decent in the outfield. We know he's got a strong arm, but he's a below-average defender. And whenever he's a below-average defender and he's one of the best offensive players in baseball, there's no reward there. There's no reward risking an injury-prone, one of the best offensive players in baseball to give you a below-average left field, especially with the, you know, the Michael Brantley situation, especially with like Chas McCormick needing more playing time. And I understand that like Jordan likes going out there. Sorry, Jordan, I'm trying to win a World Series, and you playing left field makes absolutely no sense. I get crushed all the time. I say that Jordan Alvarez should be a designated hitter only. It was a nasty spill, a horrific-looking spill. It was scary. You, you thought, okay, what, what's going to go wrong here? And he's had double knee surgery. Like, he's had knee surgery on both knees. So it's, it's terrifying when you see something like that. So I agree with you to the extent that he shouldn't play the field, but I'm not going to bang on Dusty Baker for not taking him out of a game whenever they need offense to get back in that game. Like, you can't pull Jordan in that spot. And I think a lot of it, too, was, like, embarrassment. Like, a lot of times whenever you take a nasty spill, like, oh, Jordan's tracking a ball in the left center field track, and he takes a nasty spill, he's probably a little bit embarrassed. So it's going to take him a little bit of time. But Jeremiah Randall, the trainer, was, like, laughing at him. Yeah, they, they were, were having a good time. Yeah. Like, they dodged a bullet. But if Jordan's good, I don't think you take Jordan Alvarez out of that game. Yeah, that's fair. It's and just, I also don't think he derailed Javier Starr. Like, the, Jordan Alvarez getting attended to by the training staff isn't what surrendered the home run to the next hitter. It just it, it was just maybe coincidental then. That like, Javier was just rolling through that game, and then it felt like there's this long delay, and then it kind of falls apart for Javier yeah, it was, like, pretty quickly. It's, yeah, yeah. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Normally good, bad, and ugly, but ugly, bad, good from what was the Astros weekend series. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. The HRP listener line on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN ninety seven five. He's at Joe George Radio. I'm at Jeremy Branham. The bad and maybe some good from the Astros weekend series in which they get swept by the Yankees. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Killer bees. ESPN ninety seven five. ESPN ninety two five. But first, a minute on pro dunk hoops the best highest quality basketball goals that you will find look basketball season's right around the corner it's going to be here before you know it you need to get a goal for your kid maybe just for you uh, because pro dunk has the best goals you can find unlike anything at the big box stores i, I tell you this all the time i walk through neighborhood my neighborhood i drive through other neighborhoods and rink and dink goals that probably bring the property value of the house down make sure it's a quality goal from pro dunk tempered glass backboard stainless steel hardware breakaway rim and height adjustable because you can lower it down to five feet raise it all the way to 10 feet anywhere in between maybe you want to throw down some jams their accessories are next level as well led light kits for night play you get off work late kids are back in school it's hot during the day you can use these led light kits to play at night backstop nets pull pad lettering and lots more you can order everything online including professional installation you're not good with a ladder you're not good with a level well, the pros at ProDunk got you covered. Install your goal at the perfect height, perfectly straight. They will do that. You don't do a thing. Let the pros at ProDunk do all the work for you. Give them a call at 281-351-9822 and visit ProDunk.com. That's ProDunk.com. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. You're hooked up with it. Toss a coin to your witcher. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Alex uh, on the Twitch. Thanks for uh, thanks for watching today on a holiday, too, and listening to all of you. 
Uh, Alex Ain't Payne yet. The number two spot is Dusty pulling a Lovey Smith. I, I don't hate today's lineup. Today's lineup, Astros Rangers game one of a critical three game series. 24 games to play for the Astros. They trail the division by a game. They're tied with Texas. And they now only lead the second wild card by a game and a half on Toronto. And oh, yeah, Toronto. They uh, have the tiebreaker on you. And, oh, yeah, they're playing six games this week, a three-game series against Kansas City and a three-game series against Oakland, which is something that's not great. But the Astros running out of lineup today of Altuve, Pena, a little different, Pena up to the two spot. Altuve, Pena, Jordan, Bregman, Tucker, Abreu, Chaz, Yiner, and Dubon. Some people are like, oh, why is Pena in the two-hole? It's against the lefty. Pena's been hitting it well as of late. He hits lefties really well. Dubon in center field seems to be like the newest, I guess, crush for Dusty Baker. I don't hate it. Dubon's actually been better against left-handed pitching this year than Jake Myers. Now, you're losing some defense out there, but J.P. France, ground ball pitcher, you're getting a better bat in the lineup against lefties than Jake Myers. You're also playing Dubon in center field with a ground ball pitcher as opposed to a fly ball pitcher. So I don't. I, I like today's lineup. I think it's fine. The order doesn't bother me at all. Uh, this, is, uh, this is one that I do like from Dusty Baker. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, the, the Dubon thing is just interesting because he was not in the lineup when Verlander pitched. Was that yeah. on Friday? I guess he, well, I think Dusty just wanted to prove that you know he's not uh, he's not committed to his ways. Yeah, like it's just it's just I don't know. I can't. There's there's really no rhyme or reason. It feels like for the things Dusty does. Dusty does what Dusty wants. The problem that I have a lot of times is that he contradicts himself. Like I don't like if you want to do what you're going to do, do it. Like it, whatever. We're gonna we're gonna deal with it. We're pro- we're all gonna complain. It's what you do in sports. But just do it. But then like. He'll his reasonings contradict things that he's doing. Yeah. Or he'll say one thing for one player and then keep doing it for another player. Like what well, always goes back for me. Just say the, managerial decision. Yeah. You know? Like for me, it always goes back to Yiner Diaz. You know, when when they said that he wasn't going to catch Christian Javier anymore because it was, well, what if he gets hurt? Then then Machetti needs the experience just in case for that moment in the future. But then Yiner Diaz has never caught from Valdez or Justin Verlander. Yeah, he's he's uh he's got uh, his he has contradictions with what he says. A seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Eric the driver with his uh his assessment of Josh Beard's what up H Town. Hey, how you doing? He said four out of ten uh, needed to hold the hay way longer as well and just more passion in general. Mm. So he was not big on the uh, the beard. What up H Town? Hey, how you doing? I think even Joel would admit it was better than his one on Friday because Joel his voice cracked or whatever. Happened. Oh, did it really? Yeah, remember that on Friday? Yeah, I thought he, I guess he was trying to play it off. Maybe. Yeah. I think it makes cracked. sense. Something now, happened. Beard was also doing it at the tail end of a three-hour show as yeah. opposed to out of the gates of a three-hour show. Mm. So maybe fatigue. Maybe it should have been a quicker hook. I think he's tired. Fatigue might have come into play. He has a real job now. So like now he has to like talk for three hours. He was unprepared. Yeah, I think. Eh, I mean, he wasn't prepared. I mean, you had him do it like two seconds after he packed everything oh, up. I figured he needed an opportunity to, to prove it to himself. Yeah, that could be the case. 713-780-3776. Uh, why is Joel not working today? Wrong answers only. Eric the driver. Blankers doesn't want to do labor on Labor Day to hmm. stick it to the man. Sounds like a Blankers thing to do. Stick it to the man. Sounds like a Blankers thing to do. Ugly Jordan's knees. Yeah, that was that was not pretty. That, that was a scary was so sight. That's why he should never play the outfield. Alex said uh, Jordan rule, whatever. I think that was our first Jordan rule. Like, Jordan does not play defense. Yeah. I think that was the original. I think that's what started it. The problem is, is that no one follows that rule. No. Dusty doesn't follow it. Jordan doesn't follow it. 
Most fans don't follow three it. Man, three different GMs have not followed it. It should be a like. offensive only. That's why there's the universal DH, so he never has to play the field. Uh, the bad, the entire team at home, and then the good Jason Dominguez looks like the real deal. I, I, want, I need to see him do it for a little bit longer than a three-game series, but he looks... He looks to the point of why was he just now brought up? Like, why? You were running out there for the Yankees. Like, if you look at who they've had in the outfield this year, like Aaron Hicks, dude you never heard of, McKinstry, they waved Harrison Bader. Like, you had this guy all along in your system. Like, he could have helped you. It's he could have helped you. I, I feel like we're on this, like, cusp of Major League Baseball handling their players differently, but they still just don't have it right yet. Like, uh, Jackson Holiday, the he's the yeah. number one prospect in baseball. He just got called up to AAA. Yeah, I think it is. Triple That's his fourth different, I guess, I don't know what they call it, league division he's been in this year. So, like, I mean, he, he's still, like, I feel like there's still an outside chance he's on the Orioles playoff roster. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm not going to go that far. I, I think it's probably more likely next year. Now, the opening day. If there's some injuries, yeah, I think opening day could be into play. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting if they try to manipulate his clock uh, at all because Angelos is cheap and he might try to do that to get an extra year out of especially him. that franchise I, I to me it makes sense like if you're dominating a level you should get moved up yeah. and, and like you get him in a spot now where he's in triple a okay let's see if he dominates here and if we have a couple of injuries in the outfield before the postseason well he can help us let's call him up he can help us in the postseason like if they stay healthy they, they probably don't need him this year uh but it looks like if he's already in triple a it looks like he's going to play next year. I'm not sure it's going to be opening day. Maybe it's June. Quick, yeah. But I bet you, I mean, he, if he's in AAA right now, unless he just gets dominated in AAA, he's going to be on the big league roster next year. Yeah, and, and they'll wait just like, because that's what they did with Adley Rushman. Like, and that's what most teams will do. But I, I like the fact that they are, that teams are, are calling these guys up. But it's just, it is funny to see a team like the Yankees struggle so much and they have this, you know, 20 year old prospect who's just crushing at every level. And then, like, he comes up and he just starts hitting dingers as soon as he's up here in the lineup and it, it's also like it depends on who you are like it doesn't make sense if the royals did that right like you're yeah. not you don't need to help the big league club whenever you're 50 games below 500 yeah, it helps you more to be in the minors but if you're yeah exactly because you get extra years you know just same thing that the astros did with like springer and people hated it and is actually smart like do you want springer one less year of a golden era or did you want him before they were any good like it's it's in hindsight it was genius and everybody should have known it at the time it's like the same thing if you're the royals and the a's you're not going to call up a player whenever they're super young whenever they're losing 100 20 games but yeah. if you're a Yankee team and you have playoff aspirations play the best player like if the Astros had somebody like that play the best player like play a guy over you know whoever struggling for you and the Astros have been pretty good about that ever Although, since ever since the Astros got good they bring up their young players well now they just don't p- play the best players that are on the roster yeah it's more of a manager thing than a yeah. general managing thing of trying to you know trying to manipulate what do you think about like the that? the pretty intense I know we just we talked about the Astros Twitter but I felt pretty intensive, and we got a couple in the Twitch chat of Fire Dusty. I think um, people are kind of worn out. I mean, you're talking about like, today, like, or you're talking about in the season? In, in the, like, people are like, want Dusty. Like, there's a lot of people I saw. If you look at the Astros tweets from this weekend, right? and you look at the replies, there's a lot of just, let's move on from Dusty now, fire him now. He's not He's not going to help us win another World Series. Like, Just get it over with. Rip the Band-Aid. Obviously, like they're not going to go to that extreme, uh-huh. but I would imagine like Dana Brown's pretty frustrated. I listened to some of the, I was on the road right before the game, so I was listening to a little bit of Astros radio, and I caught the back end of Robert Ford's interview with Dana Brown. And I mean, Dana, he asked him about Chaz, and Dana's like, you know, Chaz is somebody that can carry a team on his back. He's a little streaky, um, but he talked about how he likes that. 
because <laughs> he can carry the team on the back, and he liked he liked him being in the lineup every day. So I, I don't think that Dana and Dusty see eye to eye. Honestly, I don't think there's any sort of contention there. I don't think Dana would choose Dusty to be his manager. If I'm being completely honest, and I don't think he will next year. I don't think so, so either. And also, Chandler Rome had an article about that today, where he had quotes from like Dana uh, about Dusty, and and they they flat out said that neither one has talked to each other about next year. Where Dusty hasn't brought it up. Dana's like he hasn't brought it up and they have like this understanding of let's do our business in 2023 and then talk business if it gets to that after 2024. I don't know. Like it's it's felt that Dusty's no longer going to be the manager the last couple of years. But then you get to the World Series, you win a World Series, you're not getting rid of a manager. You'll get rid of a general manager, but you won't get rid of a manager after winning the World Series. So I don't know. Like, if they miss the playoffs, it's there's no doubt that Dusty Baker's gone. Yeah, I think the only way he's back is if they win the World Series or go to a World Series. I would I would tend to agree. Like, I, I don't really think, and I think they might need to win it for Dusty to be back next year because it, it the argument to remove your manager and move on, I think, is much more challenging than it was with James Click because James Click clearly was told to do certain things and he failed to achieve those goals. Like, and Marte, all those guys, like they didn't go get him. Dusty, it feels like it's going to be a little bit different. 713-780-ESPN. What is your good, your bad, your ugly? 713-780-3776. I got one bad for you, and it had to do with the ESPN broadcast yesterday. Should, should the ESPN crew be interviewing Houston's version of Steve Bartman during the biggest and bad of the game? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. And ESPN 92.5. Football season is here, as we all know. U of H Big 12 home openers right around the corner as the Cougs host last year's national championship runner-up, the TCU Horned Frogs, a week from Saturday. The atmosphere this past Saturday was electric. Let's do it again a week from Saturday as we fill up TD ECU Stadium for the Big 12 home opener. Get your tickets right now. Do not wait. These are going to sell out. Get ahead of the crowd. Get your tickets right now by calling 713-GO-COUGS or head over to uhcougars.com slash tickets. Come early. Tailgate. It's awesome. It's great. Also enjoy all the new activities in Cougar Alley right in front of TD ECU Stadium, including the huge LED TV screen, the Bud Light Backyard, the Coke Fan Zone, food trucks, and more. The Spirit of Houston will perform at halftime. Entertainment by cheerleaders, Cougar Dolls, Shasta, and Sasha, and of course, DJ Yobi Yobes in the student section. Again, get your tickets now. They're going fast. They will not last. Get them at 713-GO-COUGS or head over to uhcougars.com slash tickets. Be part of that electric atmosphere for the Big 12 opener between Houston and TCU. Don't miss all the fun and pageantry of college football. Come early, be loud, and wear red. ESPN 97.5.com. One of these guys cheats at fishing. We got weights and fish. There we go. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees. Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. No, uh, no Blank today. Joe George is in his stead, and then we upgrade with Josh behind the glass. Um, wrong answers only. Why is Joel Blank not here? 713-780-3776. He saw the rain and didn't know what to do. It was nice to see that today. It never got up to my neck of the woods. I got it on the drive-in, and people forget how to drive whenever it rains a little bit. It's the most confusing thing. I, I do, the thing I don't understand about this city more than anything else is that when it rains a little bit, 
people put like their hazards on. Yeah. And they freak out. But then like, I don't know, go back a couple years to 2017, Hurricane Harvey. People are driving on roads that are clearly not drivable and like losing their cars. Yeah, too soon. Like too soon with this. No, but it's just like I don't understand like how people like during like a hurricane like are reckless. Mm-hmm. And then when it's just like a little bit of rain, they're super cautious. Probably different demographics. I guess. Probably different like, demographics. It doesn't feel like it. It's like how are we like I just don't understand. I don't think that the people that are driving in through floodwaters are the same people that are throwing their hazards on during a thunderstorm whenever we have a drought. That's I just fair. don't think it's the same that's, group of people here. Probably Joe. fair. Yeah, I just don't think it's the same people. Uh, 713-780-3776. Good, bad, ugly from the uh, the weekend. It's carrying over to a Monday, too, because the Astros already trailed 2 nothing in the second. Not great. Uh, 5033, our pitching is our downfall. Pitching's fine. Bullpen's good. Uh, the starting rotation's been up and down. Like Justin Verlander, when, since you got him, has been up and down. Uh, Fromber Valdez is either dominant or he's getting touched up for five runs. Christian Javier has been mostly bad. Um, JP France has been a little bit shakier as of late. Hunter Brown's been shaky. So I guess I, the rotation's been shaky. I don't think it's necessarily the downfall, though. Like, I mean, you look at this past weekend, you couldn't score. Like, it, it's, it's, they haven't been timely. And we talked about this a little bit last week. Like, the thing that's held the Astros from that, you know, a game winning streak or 14 of 16, where they kind of run away. They distance themselves from the Rangers, the Mariners, if you want to throw the Blue Jays in there, is that for us, for like a week time, they've not had all three cylinders going. Yeah. The offense hasn't been clicking when the starting rotation's been pitching well and the bullpen's been locked down. We've seen bits of that. We've seen the offense in the Boston series, set, in Detroit series, set a record for the most hits over a five-game stretch. We've seen Fromber Valdez throw a no-hitter and then carry a no-hitter into the seventh. We saw early in the year Javier be dominant. Hunter Brown's one of the top ten guys in strikeouts per nine. We saw J.P. France for his first 10, 12, 13 starts was unbelievable. So we've seen the starting rotation be good at times. We've seen the offense be good at times. The bullpen's really been good all season long, but there's times when they're just flat-out dominant. You can't touch them. The Astros have had trouble getting all three of those phases of the game going at the same time for a sustained period of time. And now that you have 24 games left to play, it's like, are we ever going to see it? Because sometimes teams have it all, and they never put it together. That happens all the time. It probably happens every single year in any sport where you have the pieces – but for whatever reason, it just doesn't all gel together. Yeah. 24 games to play, I think it's fair to say, so far it hasn't, and now you get worried that it's not gonna. Now, there's still time, and you hope that it all meshes together, like in the last 24 games and then into the playoffs. So there's still reason for hope. There's still reason for optimism. But to this point, with 24 games left to play in the season, they've not been able to mesh it all together for a sustained body of time. And what's weird, too, is like I have this un... I don't, I don't know if it's unjustified confidence that they can repeat 2020 We're like it just it didn't it, 2020 was a disaster like it was only 60 games so it's weird like they weren't playing good baseball throughout the whole pandemic season and then they get in the playoffs and they get to game seven of the alcs nearly back to the world series so like it, it felt like i still believe like this team can do that where even if it doesn't click during the regular season that like they can flip that switch come postseason and they can make an, another deep run so like, and I don't know if I should feel confident that they can do that, but that's where even seeing like yesterday start with Christian Javier, like he was pretty good, like probably the best he's looked in months. I mean, months. But then you have Justin Verlander on Friday, where he's the opposite. Where you know after his his start before that, he's saying he's never felt better. Mm-hmm. He felt like he figured out his issues. 
And then he just gets home run after home run after home run on Friday night. That was uh, one of my two bads that I have was Justin Verlander. He got he got lit up. Yeah. I mean, he got lit up. And he didn't have his best stuff. I think he had one strikeout in his whole outing. And when Justin Verlander's only striking out one guy in an entire start, his stuff's not effective. His stuff is not sharp. He, he, was, he was lousy. He was lousy on Friday. Hopefully he figures it out. Hopefully he gets it going. But that was really bad. That was really bad by Justin Verlander. Yeah, and, and honestly, it was... Hunter Brown, like, I just, I wish they could get some length out of these guys. Like, Hunter Brown, again, going four innings on Saturday. Like, not, not an awful start, but not a great start. That's just kind of what it feels like the pitching has been. Just been bleh the whole season. Yeah, I didn't think that, uh, I didn't think that Hunter Brown was that bad. I didn't In think fact, so I, I thought that he was, I thought his stuff was good. I, he just didn't have command. Like, the the lack of command got to him. Because you go back and watch that start, he got hit hard once. Like, the home run was the only time where a guy hit him. I was like, man, that guy got him. That guy hit him pretty good. But, like, you, that that trouble winning he had early, he had a couple of walks. He had, like, a little bloop single. He had, like, a little seeing eye single. I didn't think he got hit hard. I thought he got babbipped to death, and I think his command was poor. But, in, but his stuff was sharp. Yeah. Like, he, he was getting swing and miss. People weren't hitting him that hard. Uh, but his lack of command cost him, and then he was a little bit unlucky as well. Yeah, it's well, I think I saw you tweet out, too, he has, like, the worst or the highest BABIP in all of baseball. Yeah, somebody else tweeted that. I, I, yeah. I, I can't remember who it was, but it, it it makes me encouraged about Hunter Brown going like forward. Term. Yeah, and, and even this year. Like, I mean, I, I think I was looking at uh, leaderboards today. Hunter Brown's in the top ten in strikeouts per nine. Like, he has excellent stuff. He has really good stuff. You look at the starts where he gets in trouble, bleeders – Bloopers, seeing eye singles, and, and like ill-timed walks is something that likes the bane of his existence. We saw that in his last start, where you know you were walking a guy with the bases loaded. That inning was sparked by you know an early walk in that inning, a little blooper, a little seeing eye single. Uh, so Brown's Brown's start was more frustrating to me than like than piss poor, bad. Yeah. Whereas Justin Verlander was like. Boy, it was like, atrocious. You're getting, you're throwing BP. Yeah, like, you you're getting absolutely shelled, and it's awful. And then the good for me is definitely I mean, Christian Javier. Like I, I thought Christian Javier was very, very good in his start. And I know at the end, like after the weird Jordan thing, he gives up the two run homer. You know, he gets the loss in yesterday's game. But like I thought, Christian Javier was. It was just so encouraging to finally see that. Yeah, I thought he like was it's good been too. So long. He people were people. I saw people on Twitter like this was a matter of time. He was hanging like curveballs. He was leaving pitches up in the zone. It was a matter of him getting hit. I think that was a little bit by design. I think that they realized that hitters are spitting on a lot of his breaking stuff, and that if you throw it up in the zone where you're trying to usually live with that fastball, that you're probably going to get a lot of takes, or you're going to get hitters that are kind of off balance and just missing that. So I thought it was a little bit by design. There were two really encouraging things in that start for me from Christian Javier. And you touched on one of them. Like for me, when Christian Javier is striking guys out, like Christian Javier is maybe on the brink, or at least he pitched effectively in that game. He had eight strikeouts in six innings. Like that was very encouraging to me for Javier. And then like Hunter Brown, where Javier can get in trouble sometimes is lack of command in non-competitive pitches. Javier yesterday did not walk a guy over six innings. So yeah, he got the loss. The offense didn't really help him out. The last, you know, the last inning where he gave up the home run to Dominguez, not great. You know, you had one on, you had two outs. Like you're a pitch away from getting out of that inning and only giving up one run for the entire game. And Dominguez, Dominguez kind of spoiled what otherwise would have been a really good start. 
But I look at eight strikeouts, no walks over a six-inning stretch for Christian Javier, and that's something that gives me some encouragement and gives me some hope that maybe Christian Javier can figure this out in the final month of the year. Yeah, especially because what, what did T- I can't remember what TK said on Friday. What, what was the word he used? It was make or break? Kind of, yeah, I think oh, so. It's some, it was something like that. Like, um, and, and I think that he really showed up in a start that it did matter because obviously with Jose Arquiti then kind of faltering as well when coming in the bullpen, like if Javier didn't have a good start in that game, I think we were headed to Christian Javier being moved into the bullpen again. Yeah, and, I just and don't think that to, helps. Like, I, I don't trust Javier out of the bullpen when Javier has been pitching bad. I don't either. But, like, I, I just – it felt like that's where we were headed, that, like, they were going to try to maybe move Arquiti back into the rotation and Javier back into the bullpen. But it seems like for now, Christian Javier should have, you know, kind of slowed down some of those concerns that we've had all season, it feels like. Yeah, well, I mean, one start. Not enough. At least for us, start. Yeah. And Arquiti also got hit. So, like, I, I don't think anybody's pressing the button where Jose Arquiti is getting starts and Christian Javier isn't. I, I still think, like, watching that game yesterday, okay, Javier looks good. Eight strikeouts, no walks, six innings, he's up three runs. And then Jose Arquiti kind of comes in and, and doesn't pitch all that well. So, it's no one's really chomping at the bit to uh, to make that move uh, to, to, you know, Jose Arquiti if the Astros do keep this five-man rotation. Uh, ESPN broadcasts are bad for me. Uh, cannot stand Forgot Carl Ravitch. The, the little interview with Jose Altuve. Carl Ravitch's first question to Jose Altuve was, is it true you didn't know you hadn't hit for the cycle? And Altuve's like, no, I knew that. Like, that's something a player would remember there, Carl. Nice question there, Ravitch. It was Jordan didn't know Altuve hit for the cycle, wasn't it? Is that what it was? I have no idea. I think, I think it was someone. I think it was Alvarez or, or someone said they didn't know that Altuve hit for the cycle, but that was... Well, no, no, his... the Carl Ravage's question to Altuve was, is it true that you didn't know you hadn't hit for the cycle? Like, he made it sound like you've never done this in your career. Maybe oh, I heard okay. it wrong, but either way, it's a stupid question. Yeah, it is a dumb question. And then uh, Houston's own version of Steve Bartman, which a lot of people felt some kind of way about uh, that play there. Let me tell you down something. Down the left field line. Cubs fans last night, triggered. They got upset about that? Because Dusty didn't do what he did last night. Or he argued it. He just sat there in the dugout like a coward. I I love Dusty Baker, but like I, that's the only way I can put it. So like, that's right, what, Bartman. They, they didn't call fan interference there, right? No, they probably should have. And Dusty just sat there and did nothing. Oh wow! While like Moises Salou threw his glove and threw the tantrum and his yeah. gross hands. Because like I, I thought that they got the call right. Like this was an easy call. Like does the oh he's way over into does, the field. Does the spectator does the spectator eliminate a chance at the fielder making a play? If the answer to that question is yes, it's fan interference. Yeah. That was absolutely fan interference. Now, what's interesting about the Bartman play at Wrigley is it's the home fans. <laughs> and he's not the only one. Now, I wouldn't have kicked the guy out. I'm not going to kick the guy out. I probably would have moved him, probably get him off of camera. But the fact that they were interviewing him while Jose Altuve was up with two on in the biggest spot of the game, I was, I was livid. I could not believe that they were interviewing Houston's Bartman during the biggest at bat of the game for the Houston Astros, and they call them, and he called them the Asteroids. He called them the Asteroids. Like, at, for, like first of all, like you people suck that <sighs> go to games in which you wear gear for a player, a, a team that's not playing. Like, sorry if anyone, that's right, he was. Wasn't he's he? wearing a Royals hat. Like, I, I went to an Astros game earlier this season, and there's some dude walking around an Aaron Judge jersey. They're not playing the Yankees. Like, what? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, if you're an Astros fan, you do that. At Yankee Stadium, and the Yankees are playing the Blue Jays. Like you're weird too. Yeah, but like the whole thing was just that play sucked. And honestly, didn't they throw someone out like last week for this? I thought it was pretty standard to throw a guy out for that. I thought they or, threw or a, a kid out, like a little kid out for interfering with the home run. I guess maybe that wasn't minute made. But like this, I thought it was pretty standard that like if you interview with 
the play, like you're gone. Flimsy said that Dusty challenged the interference call. I didn't realize that he did. Uh, he also says it was clear as day it was interference. It 100% was clear as day it was interference. I mean, there's zero argument. Does the, does the fan eliminate an opportunity for the outfielder to make the play? The answer is yes, it's interference. And it was a very clear yes. I have one more good. We'll get to some of yours as well. 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 on Twitch. All systems go. Houston is all systems go. The Killer Bees. What about the murderous Jays? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three Jays. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and Murderous Jays. 713-780-ESPN. Key from L.A. The good is the other teams can't buy a win either. That's where I'm at with my good. Yeah. My good was the out-of-town scoreboard. The out-of-town scoreboard was good for the Houston Astros over the weekend. Now, you get swept. It's never good. Obviously, out-of-town scoreboard worked out for you. Seattle was... They, they took one of the three games at New York against the Mets. So they only gained a game on you, which is good. You're still only down from the division by one game. Uh, Texas, who you currently trail against right now, 2 nothing middle of the third, they only took one of three games at, against Minnesota. So Texas, they got the game back that you led against them, so you're currently tied with Texas. So the out-of-town out of scoreboard was good there. The only one that hurt you really was Toronto. Toronto took two of three from Colorado. Close game Sunday, yesterday, Toronto got you know won it. Like that's something you gotta watch. Toronto has the has the tiebreaker on you, and they're a game and a half behind now from that, that last wild card spot. You and Texas tied for wild card spot uh number uh number one and number two and number three, rather. And Toronto has an easy schedule this week. They have six games this week. They take on Oakland, they take on Kansas City, the two worst teams in the American League. So you know, I was hoping that the Astros kind of put Toronto away. You know, they were within, you know, outside of arm's range. They were distanced. But now they take two or three. You get sweat. All of a sudden, three and a half lead is now a game and a half lead. But overall, could have been much worse. Seattle going one and two. Texas going one and two. In fact, the Toronto didn't sweep a bad Colorado team. Uh, could have been much worse in the standings after this uh, after this weekend. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like now we've almost overlooked the whole Toronto part of this storyline. Uh, and the fact that, like, I know when we did our playoff predictions or just kind of like where do you think it shakes out, I said I thought that the Blue Jays would catch the Rangers um, and the Rangers would miss the playoffs. Now, I wasn't expecting the Astros to do what they're doing. But, like, the entire AL West right now in their last 10 games, the best team in their last 10 is the Mariners at 6-4. and four. So, like, while the Mariners were incredibly hot, made this huge run to get back into this race, like, everyone's kind of bottomed off, like, the Mariners are six and four in the last ten. The Rangers are four and six, and the Astros are five and five. So like everyone at this point is basically playing five hundred baseball over the last handful of games. But that's why this series is this series is game changing. Honestly, like you, you, the Astros have to win this series. Yeah, it, it feels that way. It feels that way. It's like, a critical series for the Astros. You do have two of your better three pitchers. Some some would include France into that conversation. Um, Heaney's going today against France. Like that's that's you know fifty fifty matchup. Heaney's been pretty good. France has been pretty good. Uh, tomorrow you have Fromber against to be determined. Like that's advantage Astros. That's the game you you got to win, especially if you like, lose today. It sounds like it's going to be Evaldi. Is it going to be Evaldi it, back? It could be. Like he was oh, he wow. threw out, threw bullpen on Friday. They're not going to rehab said? him. 
It sounds, yeah, it could just be Eovaldi on Friday. They're not. Well, you mean tomorrow? I meant tomorrow. Yeah. They're not going to use him in a rehab. I saw it's where like they think there's a chance that Eovaldi's back. Bochi Bochi said that. Um, Bochi said that they were going to announce it after the game tomorrow. So we might we might know by the time we're off the air. Yeah. And then Wednesday's everybody's dream matchup. It's going to be Verlander Scherzer. I'm glad that Wednesday. that's happening. It was well because at one point it felt like there was a chance JV and Scherzer were going to miss the start for both their teams. But they're saying it's going to happen now. The battle of the the Mets divas. <laughs> I mean that's what it is. Like this is what you trade these guys for us for this game. We might look back at Justin Verlander versus Max Scherzer on. September 6th is like one of the biggest games of the year. Why are you calling them both divas, though? Well, that's what the story said. Well, they said that JV was a diva, not necessarily Scherzer. Yeah, we know Scherzer's a diva. Yeah. Seems like he had a lot of complaints about his time there. It seems that way. Like, he, he seems pretty unhappy about his time as a, a New York Met. So, I'll, I'll, I'll call him a diva for Justin. Uh, Eric says 100% fire Dusty. He won last year despite him. Uh, so much talent, and he's holding this team down. Espada has to be ticked. Look, I thought Dusty, I thought Dusty managed really, really, really well in the playoffs last year. I thought he did a good job. Um, he made moves that were unpopular. Like people were, were griping about Stanek last year, and it's like, why are you griping about Stanek? Like the Astros bullpen's been dominant. Like you can't, you can't be mad at uh, Dusty for demoting Ryan Stanek when the Astros bullpen's winning you games, when they're locked down, when they're unbelievable. So that was a good decision. That was unpopular. It was unpopular even in the time when the bullpen was dominant. Um, the way he handled the bullpen, I thought was fine. You know, his lineups, like the, the questionable lineups we would see in the regular season didn't really come up in the postseason, like the Dubon personal center fielder when Chaz yeah, was going well. well. I thought, I thought Dusty handled the team well last year. In fact, even in 2023, I think Dusty overall has done a good job overall, just the full body of work where you've missed Jordan, you've missed Altuve, the injuries that you've had to the rotation, and the Astros were 24 to play or a game behind in the American League West. I think overall, Dusty's done a good job. There are certain things that we nitpick, as you should, whenever you're a sports fan, because it's the beauty of talking about specific sports. There are very curious, questionable things that he does. Overall, good job. Um, should Yiner have gotten more plate appearances throughout the year? Yes. Should Chaz have been mishandled the way he was this past weekend and really throughout the year? No. Um, so you can certainly critique things that Dusty does. And you can you can critique any manager in baseball. Nobody's perfect. No manager in baseball makes every decision as you think that they should. But I think overall, Dusty's done a good job. Now, in terms I, of I his future for the Astros, mm, I think it does depend on the outcome of the season. One thing with Dusty, too, is I think a lot of times managers, it's just it's up to the players of how a manager does. Like, if Dusty was making these decisions with Chaz and, and Diaz and and people were frustrated, but the players were then performing. Even if it was like Tucker and Alvarez carry this team to a two, you know, winning two out of three versus the Yankees, we wouldn't care as much about the lineup stuff. It's when you're making these weird lineup adjustments and then the team's not winning that you become hypercritical. Yeah. Like, Aroldis Chapman, to me, has been this guy who he's been for the Rangers right now his whole career. Like, I hate doing this, but, like, because I hate getting this rep sometimes from mainly the Twitchers, but, like, if you go back to 2016 and watch – the Cubs World Series run, Aroldis Chapman was used improperly often by Joe Madden. Joe Madden would try to have him pitch one or two innings throughout the World Series and through the playoffs, and it was oftentimes a disaster. In that final game when they won the World Series, Aroldis Chapman wasn't good, but the players, the bats came alive and carried it, so like everyone forgot that Joe Madden nearly cost the Cubs a World Series championship. Same thing applies to Dusty Baker right now is when he's making decisions you don't like, it doesn't matter if you win. But when things don't go well, like you're going to be 
we're going to be hypercritical of you, as we should be, because it's been a disaster, and you can blame the players, but the manager is the one that speaks in front of the microphone the most and you know has a double standard most of the time. Yeah, and, and you're right, too. Like the, the outcome of the game is going to make you, or fans rather, magnify the decision. Yeah. Like if you make questionable decisions like pinch hitting for John, you know, Chaz McCormick for John Singleton and Singleton runs into a two run homer and you win. Like, great. It's like, Oh wow. You get all the credit for that too. This is, this is really good. Um, so yeah, you're right. I mean, winning and losing magnifies your opinion of things as far as like a spotter, like a spotter probably, I mean, I bet you a spotter does at times get a little bit disgruntled about things. I would be surprised if Joe Espada is the manager of the Astros, though, I don't think that Joe. I, I I don't see him managing the Astros. If I'm being completely honest, I, I get these weird like Eric Bieniemy vibes. Where mm. for for years we've been talking about Joe Espada and Eric Bieniemy, and neither of them are head coaches or managers. Yeah, like I know part of it is that you know both these teams are having the Chiefs and the Astros are having great success. So like as the Royals and the Cardinals and these other teams are filling their positions, their managerial positions. Joe Espada still in the playoffs and not really going through the interview process. But there was two jobs open last year after the Astros won the World Series, and Espada either declined or didn't get them. So, like, it's this weird thing where it's like, maybe he's not the guy we all thought he was. So I kind of agree with you. Yeah, he's managed for, I mean, he's interviewed for a lot of jobs. Yeah. He's interviewed for a lot of jobs and hasn't gotten them. Kind of the same, I mean, yeah, it's a pretty good comparison with Enemy. Uh, where Bienemy's interviewed for a lot of different jobs and, and hasn't been able to uh, to get one either. I, that's why I thought it was wise for Bienemy to get out of Kansas City. Like, let's go totally. see what your offense looks like outside of Andy Reid. Because and then the players complained about him his first three weeks of training camp. I don't, I don't hate that. Like, well, if you're, like the Commanders have not necessarily been a team that's uh, been super good. And yeah. like, if you get a coach that goes in there and kind of shakes things up, it's good. Okay, like that's fine with me. Like, it's like if he went to if Bienemy went to Buffalo. And, like, all of a sudden he's changing things up at Buffalo. Like, it's a little different story. Like, that's a team that's been going well. Like, that's a team that you probably don't have to interfere with a whole lot. And I know the Commanders didn't have a losing record last year, but that's a team that hasn't had a tremendous amount of success. And you go in there and you're starting to change the culture a little bit. You're starting to switch things up. I kind of like that from beginning to me. And I'm super excited to see what beginning to me looks like, too, is the OC calling his own place. Like, does he get anything out of Sam Howe? They have some weapons there with, like, Dotson and Scary Terry, Gibson, Robinson. Toe. Uh, Scary Terry? Yeah. Is he going to miss week one? I hope not. I didn't uh, I didn't realize his uh, his I'm, week one was in jeopardy. I'm fantasy invested in Scary Terry this year. You have a lot of shares of Scary Terry? I just have one share, but it's oh. an expensive share. <laughs> so. I got you. It's my most expensive league, and I hate when players are getting hurt in that one. Oh, my, really? my $20 league's like, whatever. I lost Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor week one. Oh, well. The Cooper Cup thing's interesting. Like, you're seeing a specialist to see if it's, like, normal hamstring stuff. That's Or it's, scary. like, really bad. Yeah, that seems not great. Yeah, it's not great. 713-780-ESPN. All right, Texans at four. We're going to bring back the game that we did last year. Uh, Texans will be this good. Texans will be this good at their defense, their scoring defense. How good will they be in 2023? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5. God listens to us, too. Zerline,